Welcome to Honestly Haunted. Welcome back to Honestly Haunted. This week on our trip around the country, we're heading to Ohio to talk about the old Ohio Penitentiary. The penitentiary opened in 1834 in downtown Columbus, Ohio. This prison was known for severe overcrowding. At one point, it housed 5,235 prisoners when it was designed for only about 1,500 total. Because of the overcrowding, as can be expected, conditions were not good. Blankets were only issued to prisoners during the winter months, and there was no laundry facilities on site. Perhaps more importantly, though, there was also no medical facilities on site either. In 1849, a cholera outbreak killed 116 prisoners, and the guards were too afraid to go back during this outbreak for fear of getting sick, and so they abandoned their posts. As a result, dozens more prisoners ended up dying of starvation during this time. Whipping was a common form of discipline within the prison until about 1844, when new methods of punishment were introduced, like dunking inmates into huge vats of freezing cold water, hanging them by their wrists in their cells, and the sweat box. A new warden was brought in in 1886 and brought about prison reform. This warden, E.G. Coffin, introduced new humane methods of caring for and dealing with prisoners to fall in line with nationwide calls for prison reform. Despite this, however, the prisoners there during this time claimed that no such changes actually took place and things were as bad as ever. Prisoners claimed that stocks and pillory were still used for punishment. Food was still scarce, and medical treatment was basically non-existent. Many prisoners stated that some of the other prisoners with better connections were treated better, while those without any connections or the ability to buy their way into better favor were tortured. During this time, the death house, basically the gallows, were set up inside the prison walls. Up until that point, hangings had been done in a public venue in downtown Columbus. In these public hangings, it was common for people to go and view. It brought out the worst in people, and often, people would get really rowdy. They would be noisy, confusing, drunken, and disorderly events. One instance that can be said to be a reason for the move to inside the prison was that a particular man was being hanged in the public gallows in Columbus. At this hanging, a man was trampled by a horse and carriage due to all the commotion. Also, two physicians were vying for the body for their own research post-mortem. One doctor exhumed the body after burial, only to be shot at by the other doctor who wanted the body as well. The second doctor and his group were successful and kept the man's foot on display as a token of his winning. So basically, public executions caused a lot of commotion and issues. The prisons took these on and tried to calm this down, and about 12 years later, the electric chair was invented and replaced the gallows in the prison. 315 men and women were put to death by the electric chair in the first year it was in the Ohio Penitentiary. That is a lot of death behind those walls. Absolutely. And unfortunately, we're just getting started. (laughs) Not only prisoners hated this addition, though. Guards also seemed to dislike the death house, too. Major Grover Palo, who worked in the prison, told a reporter that no one wanted to work the electric chair. The responsibility was rotated because no one wanted to be in charge. This included guarding the prisoners during their last meals, fastening the straps on their heads and arms and feet to the chair, and actually flipping the switch for the electric chair. 
the warden even had to pay those in the death house overtime in order to get people to take those responsibilities on. Paolo also recalled that many of the guards, even during the Great Depression, when they could really use the extra money, did everything they could to try to get out of working the executions. Well, I suppose the bright side there is that no one really liked the death that was happening. Or perhaps the guards just didn't want to personally associate with it. Despite all this death happening as a result of these execution devices, the worst was yet to come for the prison and those who inhabited its halls. On April 21st, 1930, a fire broke out on the West Block side of the prison. One source said that three prisoners had set the blaze as a diversion to it for an escape plan. Other reports, however, suggest that prison authorities used that story as a cover-up so they wouldn't have to face the music about their inadequate handlings of their own prison. The fire spread throughout the prison, and at the time, almost all prisoners had already been placed back in their cells for the night. Most of the 322 prisoners who died perished because of the poisonous smoke that was given off from the construction scaffolding on the cell block. Others, however, faced a far more gruesome fate. Photos from the fire showed evidence of incredible levels of heat, which turned the metal catwalks and the cell bars into melted, tangled messes. This meant that the heat was so incredible that prisoners burned to death in their cells. This was marked as the worst fire in Ohio's history, and the worst fire in the history of all American prisons. Since the cell block had already been dangerous and overcrowded, critics said that the prison keepers were to blame for the horrific number of deaths. One positive... The fire got the attention of the judicial system and resulted in the passage of new laws in 1931, which established the Ohio Parole Board and parole procedures for prisoners. By 1932, the system had released 2,346 prisoners from this prison alone. That was about half of the prisoners, which is a huge reform. Jumping back for a moment to the cause of the fire, we mentioned that three prisoners were blamed by some. Strangely, two of those three committed suicide only months after the fire. Another theory about the fire was that the western cell block was one of the newer additions to the prison and had been built on top of the original prison cemetery. Many of the prisoners and guards alike believed that something more paranormal could be to blame. Even with all of the prison reform, the Ohio Penitentiary continued to see its fair share of issues over the following decades. The political, social, and financial unrest of the 20s and 30s brought in more violent offenders to the prison, and the prison population began to surge once more. Conditions continued to deteriorate through World War II because of intense rationing. The food situation inside the prison had gotten so bad that in 1952, the first of three riots occurred at the institution. The prison riots did seem to catch the attention of Warden Ralph Alvis, who began to implement practices to improve prisoner morale and encourage a sense of dignity amongst his prisoners. He wanted to focus on rehabilitating inmates, as the goal was to release these men back into society. These reforms included activities such as boxing, wrestling, and baseball. The high point of the year became the Inmate Performed Christmas Show that was put on exclusively by prisoners and always played to a full house. A few outsiders were allowed in for the show, and the tickets were always in high demand. Despite those better conditions for morale, the actual building was not doing well. It was deteriorating, and overpopulation was still on the incline until it reached an all-time high in 1955 with 5,235 prisoners. Riots happened more frequently, and there was a sharp increase in the number of inmate suicides. On June 24, 1968, a group of inmates started fires and took nine guards hostage. And we all know how great fires go over here. Right. This resulted in a 24-hour standoff between authorities and the prisoners in which the authorities had to enter the prison with deadly force. 
Five prisoners were killed in the shuffle. This event strengthened the growing conviction that the prison needed to be shut down. In 1972, the governor of Ohio, James Rhodes, ordered a new maximum security prison to be built in another part of the state. Eventually, most of the prisoners were transferred out of the penitentiary. Now, the prison only housed the criminally insane, the very ill, and particularly troubling prisoners. The actual building had been so destroyed by fires over the years and was decaying that in 1979, the prison finally closed down for good. For the first time in over 150 years, a penitentiary was abandoned and standing silent. However, that didn't stop more tales coming out of this infamous place. Stories began to spread about the old prison site. People who wandered closely to the building or went inside claimed to have been haunted by the men who died in the prison, even after they left the facilities. If you stand outside the building, supposedly you can hear the crackling of roaring flames and screams coming from inside. These stories continued for several years, until the fall of 2000 when the prison was completely torn down and became the home of Columbus's NHL team. They built the Blue Jackets Arena over the site of the prison. All traces of the old prison were destroyed, but witnesses at the arena have spotted apparitions and heard disembodied screams that echo through the arena's parking lot at night. When the arena was first proposed, a former guard spoke up and said, I wouldn't care if they dynamited the place. It's the entrance to hell itself. I can't tell you what is there, what is seen and unseen. Ooh, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, that's so, that's so creepy. I think one of the scariest parts of all of these stories is the fact that people claim that the hauntings from their visit followed them. Yeah, there was several stories that we had seen a lot of people who had like just visited the vicinity or have been obviously to like a hockey game and or or something like yeah. that in that they had felt the presence or apparitions or shadows follow them home. Follow them home. That is honestly probably the thing that scares me the most as we are people who try to go to some of these places when we can and I am terrified of bringing things home. Back. Exactly. Yeah. I know. So I mean, we know we can't actually ever visit the prison location because right, it's been it's demolished gone. but i am very tempted to go watch a hockey game in columbus yeah. and see what is going on in this arena as a non-sports fan i would totally go and then just like roam the halls during the game when everybody's like inside the arena and see if anything spooky happens i think it'd be even scarier if the like arena was empty Ooh, yeah like, like at night <laughs> but like can you imagine though walking or like you're like the last person closing up shop at the arena for the day you go out to your car in the parking lot yeah the parking lot and it's like you're car is the only one there and you hear screams or like the yes. sound of like ghostly flames crackling like that is terrifying like what would you do if if you were the person who had to lock up the arena and you heard screams would you be like oh much must just be the ghosts again or would you be like i have to go investigate this or i have to call the police Some, or something yes no yeah it is oh not without me my dream job uh per yeah se. no, yeah, no definitely good. not a dream job but yeah th- this this prison has obviously faced a lot of horror and traumatic events. One thing we do want to just kind of clear up um, is that there's some confusion over the names of places. Yeah. So we, in our research, it was a little confusing to get like everything straight. So this is the Ohio Penitentiary. Right. If you Google Ohio Penitentiary, you might be sent to the Ohio State Penitentiary. Right. And that's a supermax in Youngston, Ohio, which is open. And functioning. But is not the one we're talking about. 
And then there's also the Ohio State Reformatory, which was actually in operation about the same time the Ohio Penitentiary was. Yeah. Um, it was more of, obviously, in the title, a reform uh, prison itself, but didn't always stay that way, too. And it also has some haunting tales right. as well that we looked into. Um, and you can actually do, they do, like, ghost hunting school there. It's very yeah. interesting. It, it seems like they, they have they have maybe kind of, um, like, tried to profit a little bit off of some of their haunting stories. You know, like, there, there are some places where you're like, that place is super haunted. And then there are places where you're like, this place has haunting tales, and they have, like, really amped that up. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can pay to do ghost tours. You can bring, like, I think it says, like, for ages 13 and up, you can have, like, an, an amateur ghost hunting excursion, which... I mean, like, yeah, like, fun. I was like, I would <laughs> yeah. do that in a heartbeat. And like, that was in Mansfield, Ohio. So, so little bit of differences here. Just if you do your own kind of Googling, you might find that, that there's some confusion and you might be confused about which one's which, but. So we wanted to clarify that for you because there were a few things that popped up. And actually it's, it's the reformatory that was where it was filmed, where Shawshank Redemption yeah. was filmed. Yeah. So if you are familiar with the film Shawshank Redemption and the unique architecture of that prison, that is the Ohio. Ohio Reformatory. Yeah. So you can actually go visit it and they do a Shawshank like tour of the facility and also some of the filming of the all the filming sites there which is pretty unique if you love that film I do so so all of them are super interesting to look into we decided to focus specifically for this episode on the penitentiary just because it had it had so so much history um but we did just want to take a a minute there to just clarify some of that those details absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um but getting back to the penitentiary I think it's crazy. Like, this is the... They had the worst fire in the history of all American prisons. And that's just so scary to think about being in a cell and having Nowhere. no way out. No no way to escape. You you literally watch it coming. For you. Yeah. Ugh. Like, cannot imagine feeling any more helpless. Like, I don't, I've had dreams about being on death row. Have you... As it, I don't know if any of our really? listeners... Like, I, I don't know why, because I've... Like never committed a crime, but I've had <laughs> dreams about about feeling so unbelievably like helpless that like death is coming, yeah, and, and there's, there's nothing you can, can do. do. Like you are guilty, and you're going. It's just like, and it's the most stressful dream because I like rules and I follow rules really well. So I would whatever ended me up on death row in my dreams. I'm not sure, but the fact of like a fire and like an imminent death is yeah. such a terrifying thing. Yeah, and the fact that so many died that way is is just like horrible and tragic. We talk a lot about energy and that energy I feel like must just be so strong and so hopeless and so overpowering to to have so many people feeling that hopeless. That one yeah exactly and and we we kind of like touched on it briefly earlier but the fact that the western block was the one that burned down and it had been built on top of the old cemetery cemetery. like come on yeah well and it's interesting too that it is the worst fire in the history of american prisons and yet there is not actually a determined cause no that there are conflicting stories that there's the idea of like oh it just happened because of neglect which is like okay that that makes sense based on all of the the issues that they had but also that's like a really vague uh, like vague story about what happened so it's either oh it was just neglect that made it happen or it's like these three prisoners said it which yeah. seems the stories i saw were for so for the first case the reason that like if it was it was neglect it was that obviously like 
the prison guards, there was not enough staff to kind of like maintain all of the, like all of the prisoners that had taken, that were taking right. residence there. So attention from the staff was split and that they couldn't have presence in all parts of the prison at a given time. So after dinner, they basically had to put everybody in their cells at one time. And then after that point, like it's like guards didn't check back in. So there was, there was Which that. Which I get that. But also doesn't that sound more like, well, that's why they couldn't contain the fire. Not like what started the fire. Right. But then for the prisoners that started the fire, apparently the story goes that they had intentionally doused rags with and spread them out with like, or they doused them in oil or gas or whatever it was and had spread them out in such a way that the fire wouldn't really like start momentum or catch momentum until all the other inmates were at dinner. And so that all the guards and other inmates would be all in the cafeteria or mess hall or whatever and distracted. And then that's when they could make their escape, but it backfired it it backfired and it caught fire too or it caught fire too late and so everybody was finished with dinner and already back in their cells yeah and so the diversion didn't work including them Inc- probably including like, them or- i mean well we know the three of them survived because two of them committed suicide right. several months after the event which is also kind of crazy because it's like did they commit suicide for their own reasons it's very very tragic very sad like did they did they have issues that led them to that was it guilt over the fire or, or did they even really commit did they, suicide? Yeah. Or or did was there something a little bit more sinister and evil at play here that kind of caused the whole thing? Yeah. The whole situation. The yeah. whole story is just And was something that we haven't really touched upon in many of our episodes is this idea of like we we've talked about ghosts, we've talked about all that, you know, in, in our Bridgewater Triangle episode, we we touched upon it a little bit where we talked about that one cliff where ghosts like made people want to jump. But the idea of ghosts or the paranormal making people do things is do something things. we haven't really talked about. And it's like, were was there something paranormal that made these prisoners set this fire? Right. And and that's that's really spooky. I mean, you th- like we hear lots of stories of like families in haunted house situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Amityville Horror. Like, oh yeah, hello, like, one of the most famous. Yeah, <laughs> of, of ghosts or entities or. Which fun fact? Uh, while bringing up the Amityville Horror, my grandpa, my my dad's dad, used to be a correctional officer and was the correctional officer for the guy who committed the Amityville Horror. I need to hear all of those stories. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't have a ton of stories, unfortunately. I mean, I was I was very young when when I like found this out, and I wish I had been older when around him so I could ask more and be like, I need to know everything. But he said he was a nice guy, you know. Besides the whole murder thing, you know, that's good. <laughs> oh, good. I was hoping he'd still be a nice person after okay. all of that. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but uh, we, we talk about like of normal people who have never demonstrated any type of homicidal behavior, then suddenly doing this, yeah. yeah. And we wonder what kind of entity would have to exist to do that because yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, we just don't understand what kind of things are going on in there. But we know that the the history of of torture and death and violence extended. Well beyond that. I mean, like, they had almost 120 people die from cholera. Yeah. And then the guards, like, abandoned their posts. And they're just like, okay, bye. Yeah, we're not going to touch that. So we don't care that you guys don't have food. We're just not going in there. Yeah. And then you think of, like, they only gave blankets during during the winter. winter. Yeah. And I'm sure they weren't, like, 
luscious, no. uh, oh, luscious, no. soft. Absolutely. And I've never lived in Ohio, but my husband's from Indiana and he's, he has family in Ohio and he talks about it all the time. It's heckin' cold. Well, yeah, I'm from Western New York. So you know. So, yeah. <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> like, there, there are, there are times you need blankets outside of winter. Also, what did they consider winter? Are they like, okay, like December 21st, now you, you get, get a blanket. Enough blanket because, yeah, that's, that it's is, not just like winter, but it's like lake. Inhumane. It's like lake effect winter, which uh, is like yeah. So I grew up in Colorado, so I grew up with snow and blizzards. Yeah, I literally grew up on Lake Erie, so <laughs> but it's a different kind of cold. It's, yes, oh, it's a wet, horrible, mean cold, and that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, so I can't imagine the horrific no. conditions. And they're in like metal cells. It's it's probably damp. It's probably, uh, yeah, I can't There's even. no insulation in the stone walls. And they're completely overcrowded to the extreme that there's, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Lots of death. And then. The electric chair. Electric chair. <laughs> yeah. I So that was fascinating when we were doing the research that the, I mean, I guess. I guess it, it shouldn't surprise me that nobody wanted to be the one who flipped the switch, but it somehow still did kind of surprise me that everybody was so hesitant about it that it was like actually a chore to get people to be involved in that process was fascinating to me. Yeah, and it must, I mean, I've, just as an attempt to like save my mental state, like yeah. Googling like what, what, what electric chair, what happens to a person's body in electric chair. I've never Googled that and I'm not interested, Yeah, but I have to imagine it's very upsetting. Yeah. And I, I mean, unless like, you have to strap down everything, everything. And, and like, unless you're like a sociopath or, right. or, or like, in, or that, you know, whatever. But like, unless you're that kind of person who, right well i don't know what i'm trying to say i think i know i i get what you mean that like it's it's not something that people should enjoy but i guess where i was coming from it was like it was surprising to me that people who were okay not necessarily happy about but okay doing their job and dissociating enough to do their job for the gallows for hangings inside the prison now they're with the electric chair the shift was so so dominant that like now they could not get people to do their job for it like and that I think was very stark for me like I always thought of hangings as kind of gruesome but I would think but I I mean and again I don't know but it seems like for whatever reason the electric chair was that much worse and that much more difficult Mm -hmm. for people to uh, dissociate from and say like well this is my job it was it was that much harder for them to do that what do you think I mean like the hangman is like an ancient profession. Right. Like it has been exists. So I wonder if there had been like a desensitized Something. approach that, I mean, like yeah. people have been being hung at the gallows for, yeah. for centuries. Right. That's not uncommon. And so for, I guess maybe for the introduction of a new a method new and, and, and at the time they said, said this is more humane than hanging, which right, but yet it's, <laughs> I haven't done my research, but I d- doubt yeah. for some reason. I don't know. I, I, I don't know either, but it's it's pretty gruesome and, and it's pretty yeah, dark and upsetting. So it's like those are those are all things to consider too. That that was now those were activities that were being carried out inside the prison walls now as well. Yeah, that that all of this was happening in one place in the same place behind the same walls and and yeah, it's just like 
And women, we didn't mention this earlier, but there was actually a separate facility on the prison site for women. So there were female yeah. prisoners on site as well who were also executed in the ex- in the electric chair as well. Which is kind of, which is kind of rare, you know. Like yeah. I, I think I think it's historically been rarer for women to be put to death for crimes. Right. Well. Unless they're witches. You know, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> crimes are in quotations. <laughs> yeah. For their crimes. Anyway. So while this is a location we know we can never, uh, actually, you know, we can't go walk through the halls. And part of me, like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I could. Like, just knowing how right. much death, it, it just. But we could go to a hockey game. But we game. could go to a hockey game. <laughs> but I don't know, Aaron. what do you think about our verdict? I'm definitely thinking... Honestly, Honestly, haunted. haunted. <laughs> yeah, there's just way, way, way too much going on in I this place. I think what, like, what actually got me, though, was that guard saying, I don't care if they completely bulldoze dynamite. This d- is a place to hell itself. A hell itself. Another yeah. hell's gate. So if that's the case, you know, what we're dealing with cannot be contained by man-made walls. Yeah, so. I think the 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 guards who spoke out and were like this is a place of evil, the people who said that they literally felt the hauntings following them, all of that together, I think just tipped it over the edge for me. Yeah. 150 years of death, torture, poor conditions, yeah, just terrible things. And it it it, it adds up. So, so go Blue Jackets. Go Blue Jackets. We <laughs> hope, hope you have winning seasons in your future. Yeah, I, do, I don't know sports at all, but I am kind of interested to look up how the Blue Jackets do. And I mean, I, I've never heard of that team. Again, really not into sports. So take all of that with a grain of salt. I enjoy I enjoy <laughs> sports, but I, I don't think I've seen Blue Jackets up there on a Stanley Cup winnings, at least for a little <laughs> busy fighting off ghosts and screams and they've got bigger fish to fry (laughs) stanley cup wins but but thank you guys so much for listening to our episode this week we hope you're enjoying our tour of the country uh and if we haven't hit your state yet don't worry we will get there very soon uh we would love for you to ride in places in your own state that uh you know that you think would be a really great place for us to cover we're very interested and would love to check that out yeah please do write into us through email through facebook through our website uh continue to listen to us on your favorite podcatcher leave us a review if you can uh so we we actually um record these a little bit early so uh this may seem super late in comparison to when it happened but i just wanted to do a quick shout out to our first apple podcast reviewer who left us an actual comment hey laney n awesome Thank you so, so much. much for your comment. Thank you for listening. Uh, we are so excited to go back out into these places and be able to actually give you guys our visits. So thank you so much for your amazing and so kind review. We really appreciate it. It's really exciting to hear from you guys. So please continue to do that. We want to hear from you. We love words of affirmation. So. <laughs> it's our love language. It's, our it's love actually language. not mine. But. It's, it's mine. Totally. It's totally mine. <laughs> But anyway, thank you again so much. Continue to give us a listen. Tell your friends all about us. And we'll be back in two weeks with more Honestly Haunted.